Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Pastor, Appreciation Day would not be necessary if there was not a congregation, if it was just my wife and I and our son and daughter-in-law would not be necessary but thank you for all of the people that are here that have been the framework and the makeup of not just this church but certainly of our lives and um, it is in our opinion a a two-way street and we appreciate you very very much and this is not just a feeble attempt to try to exchange roses today but we feel very honored not only to be able to pastor and be a part of the kingdom of God in 2013 we feel very honored to be the pastor of Hatchbin Apostolic Church. And I want to thank you for the love that you've extended to us through the years. Thank you for the mercy that you have extended to us through the years. Because uh, we haven't always made the right decisions and haven't. we've turned left and we should have turned right. And, and uh, found ourselves many times having to make U-turns. And, and, uh, but we just did it together and we accomplished that together. I appreciate my family. I know that their life has been subjected to many things, both positive and negative, because because of the call of God that has been placed upon us. But I appreciate them. And um, I will say to, along with Brother Rayleigh, uh, that I, I too appreciate uh, my wife and, and how she represents us as a whole. And um, I have seen her from uh, every side of every spectrum um, from uh, old work clothes and paint in her hair (laughs) and uh, cleaning and doing whatever needs to be done around here uh, to the complete extreme opposite side of that spectrum representing us and representing us well and I appreciate that I, I tell her that as often as I can Uh, Every now and then, I think I've told this before, but every now and then, believe it or not, uh, for certainly unjustifiable causes, she gets snippy with me. (laughs) And and so I always tell her, you don't need to talk to your pastor that way. (laughs) And she always reminds me, I'm not talking to my pastor right now. And I always say, well, according to that, you've never even spoke to your pastor then. So hard to do that one day, hard to do that one day. But I do appreciate her. I appreciate Justin and I appreciate Sarah. And uh, thank you. Can we, uh, can we go for a journey through the word of the Lord today? Amen. I will not, uh, my attempt this morning will not to be long. I know that we have, this is a special day and we have a lot more that's going on besides just this service and this sermon, 
we're going to be eating in the dining hall in a little while and fellowshipping. And so I wanted to say what I have to say to you now because, as you know, we have grossly outgrown our fellowship hall. And so it's hard to move around back there, much less to have a lot of fellowship and interaction. So I thank you with all of my heart for your love to us. And we'll say that to you now and hopefully enjoy some food and fellowship in a few moments. And then we have teams that will be leaving to minister the word of the Lord. I am on that note just humbled week in and week out by the men and women who of, of this church who just so freely give of themselves. They don't do this because they have time to do this. They do this because they make time. They have made time to do this. And uh, we just are very, very humbled by uh, their involvement in that. By the way, uh, just a few Thursday nights ago, maybe a Thursday night week ago, uh, we were invited. We, our prison outreach team, was invited to attend a volunteer banquet that was sponsored by a Mayo Correctional Institution. And uh, they were having a thank you dinner for all of the volunteers that go there and work, not only in just church um, work, but also many people volunteer in fields of education and vocation and things of that nature. And um, during, that, during that banquet, uh, Brother Jerry Herndon was nominated as the, and elected as the Volunteer of the Year for 2013, <laughs> no correctional, and uh, <clears throat> was recognized by the assistant warden and the chaplain, and, and uh, we're just appreciative of their work. And as uh, he would certainly echo today, it's not a one-man show it's not even a two or three man show but it is many shoulders that bear the load and responsibility of that and we appreciate that very much amen so if you would just take a journey with me today in the word of God the book of Isaiah chapter 55 and verses number 10 and 11 um, we welcome all of our guests here today and thank you for being here and let's just let the Lord speak to us right now can we do that <laughs> Isaiah 55 and 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Amen. Genesis begins with, and God said, the book of Genesis, in the first chapter many times, the phrase, and God said, let there be, and there was. The word of God has spoken many things, not only creation into existence, but healings and blessings and also cursings as well. But the word of God is powerful because he said it will accomplish what I set forth. Amen. And so with that in mind, I want to preach to you today from this subject, the accomplished word. The accomplished word. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. <laughs> this Wednesday night, this Wednesday night past, <clears throat> during our altar service, I was standing over here to my left and... and uh, I just begin to feel the presence of the Lord in a very, in a very special, in a very unique way. Um, not just something overly demonstrative, but 
I just felt a very strong presence of the Lord as I began to pray and worship at the conclusion of our service. And as I was worshiping the Lord, the Lord brought this 11th verse to my mind. And uh, the more I began to think about uh, the word of God that he said would not return void, but it would accomplish what I send it to accomplish and it will prosper in the thing whereinto I send it. The more I began to think about that scripture standing there Wednesday night, I felt very inclined, very inclined to literally begin to pray that 11th verse. My word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So often, I wasn't really sure why I felt that, but I I did feel that. And by the way, nothing happened while I was praying that prayer. I just felt inclined to do that. I felt like that the word of the Lord had gone forth. And I said, Lord, I'm just gonna pray this prayer and claim by faith that this word will not return void. That is your word. And so let it accomplish that. And through from Wednesday night until uh, today, there have been multiple testimonies of people in our congregation who was here Wednesday night that were blessed and encouraged by the word of God. It was exactly what they needed at that exact moment in time. So often, and perhaps even too often, we tend to judge something by its presentation. You may, uh, you may not like certain foods Uh, certain things and and perhaps some of you that don't like certain things have never even tried it but you just don't like the way it looks or you don't like the way it smells or whatever and so so often we judge something by its presentation and we even though we've heard the statement most all of our lives not to judge a book by its cover we tend many times to do just that but we must never forget that the central truth of the word of God when the word of God comes forth, no, no matter what the presentation, no matter what the package, you know, some people are very demonstrative by nature. They're very emotional. And man, they like messages that are just full of fire and vinegar and vim. And, and if somebody, you know, brother, elder brother Sizemore used to say, if the preacher gets up and gets that microphone down their left lung and away they go. And, and some people that, you know, they're kind of wired that way. They feel like now we're preaching. Other people are not necessarily made up of that. And they like maybe someone that's a little more laid back and just teaching the word of God. And, and so what, whatever it may be, however, it's packaged. No matter how it comes across, remember this, my word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And so it's, if it's a 40-year veteran that is preaching and expounding on the word of God, or if it's a young man or a young woman that's quoting some scripture or feels a little moment of exhortation and if they're mistaken, Noah for Moses, amen, no matter what's going on, don't discount the word of God. It's going to to prosper, he said, in the thing where into I send it. We, We believe what the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapters one and verse 18 and verse 21. In verse 18, Paul said to the perishing, Uh, the preaching of the cross is nothing more than foolishness. In verse 21, he said that it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. And so if you think about it in a literal way, I suppose, if you you think about it and just boil it down and remove all the spiritual aspects of it, preaching may not 
seem like nothing more than an exercise in futility or foolishness as, as Paul called it. But because God ordained preaching, amen, because he said this is how I'm going to choose to get my word and convey my word to the masses. And so uh, God incarnate, robed himself in flesh and walked among men, chose 12 men and from there the gospel began to spread and they touched their known world at that time. And so God said, I'm going to anoint the mouth of men I'm going to anoint the lips of mankind. And so uh, that, he said, I'm going to honor that. Now, obviously, the preaching has to be in harmony with the word of God, but that word will not return void. When it goes forth under the unction of the spirit, the Lord said, it will accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. The Lord also said to Isaiah in Isaiah 40 and eight, I'll just read this, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Amen, the word of God shall stand forever. The word of God is that forever settled in heaven utterance, amen. That's why we place so much value and so much emphasis on the word of God. And so we must be very careful to ensure that what's being preached from this pulpit is just not simply the desires of men. It's not just the soapbox of man. It's not just somebody getting up and airing their laundry. I, I try to admonish all of the ministers in our church that, that you know, don't, this is not the place to air your grievances. This, this is not the place to fix the church. As a matter of fact, he didn't even call any of you to fix the church. Amen. <laughs> he, called, he called the pastor to fix the church and trust me, it's not a job you want most days or some days, not most days, some days. The fixing of problems is what I'm talking about. Amen, Proverbs 19 and 21, the Bible says there are many devices in, in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of God, that, that shall stand. The counsel of God, that word counsel there means the plan or the decision of God. That is what's going to stand. And so that's why we place so much value on the word of God. However, when someone takes a stand on the word of God. You, you can have all kind of rules in your home. You can have all kind of rules for your children. And those rules are, are really just moot issues until you enforce them. You know, you can raise your child to say, you know, 11 o'clock is the curfew and they can grow up. You can wake them up at 10 o'clock at night when they're 10 years old. You can wake them up in the night and say, what's your curfew? And they'll tell you 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You can wake them up in the still of the night when they're 14 and ask them, what is your curfew? And 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And, and that'll never be an issue until they come in at 12. And when you enforce the rule, then all of a sudden, when you take a stand on something, and here's what I've noticed about, here's what I've noticed about people. When you, when you take a stand on something, that puts you in an altogether different category. Your children all of a sudden will think you're not quite as hip and cool as they once thought. And, and all of a sudden, they'll, they'll just declare that you're outdated and, and uh, you need to get with it and on and on and on, those those uh, categories, I'm sure, would go on and on and on. But for instance, when we, as, as a body, look at the word of God and we turn to such passages like John 3 
and you begin to preach from the third book of John, I'll tell you what happens. You, you take out your pencil and you draw a line on the page or you draw the line, so to speak, in the sand, a very distinct line. Because when you begin to preach the words of Jesus where Jesus said to a Pharisee named Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, when you begin to preach the word of God as it is declared, then that leaves us with decisions that we have to make. That leaves us. I believe the word of God, Brother Rayleigh mentioned that a moment ago, the word of God should do many things in our lives. It's not just here to pat us on the head and tell us how wonderful we are, although we need that encouragement from time to time. But the word of God is also for instruction. The word of God is for correction. He used the word judgment a moment ago. The word of God, the word of God should arrest us from time to time. And so when Nicodemus heard this word, uh, he was somewhat puzzled by that. How can a man enter into his mother's womb again? And so Jesus began to, to capitalize on that and talk about being born of the water and of the spirit. And so that, that, that leaves a man now in John 3 with a decision to make. And these are not just run-of-the-mill decisions. These are not just, uh, just case hurrah, hurrah. These are, these are life-changing decisions. <clears throat> Several years ago, Several years ago, I uh, received my certification for scuba diving, and I had taken several different courses, and ultimately, in time, went as far as getting my initial certification or entry level uh, for entry level cave diving. After I had completed my cavern certification, which is what that's referred to, I was allowed to go deeper into the cave environment on uh, two or three dives. I was allowed to do that because the man who was our instructor, the instructor of the class, was not only a certified cave diver himself, but he himself was a certified cave diving instructor. And so we were able to go, a very small class, so we took some time a couple of days and went on deeper into the cave environment. I'm not gonna belabor this issue, but I'm mentioning all that to say this, that when you get in to this environment, of course now, now you've gone beyond sport diving. Now you've gone beyond just out to have a good time. This is a good time, so to speak, but now, now we're talking about life and death. We're not just talking about going down to look at a coral reef in Key West, or we're not just talking about going down to, to see the entrance of a cave in some of the freshwater springs that dot our community here, but now we're, we're beyond just having a good time. This is serious. And so as we got deeper and deeper into these classes, these, these were, they were very serious, and they put the fear of God in you, or that was their intention, to put the fear of death at least in you. And, and so as you go down into the cave environment, into the literal caves, um, <clears throat> there are in, certainly in every cave I've been in here and most all of those that are marked caves in this area, there are what are referred to as main lines. They have been ran and they are a permanent part of the cave system. Every cave diver is going to have a line himself that he will attach to something and take that in with him. But, but should there be a whiteout, uh, should, should, should something happen, should something go wrong, there are main lines 
that have long ago been established and they have been placed. They are not there to be removed. They're not there to be tampered with. Uh, these main lines are not there for decorations, but they are most literally lifelines. Lifelines. If everything goes wrong, if you get all tangled up in your own in your own line, then then if all else fails, you you place your finger around this main line, and, and if you cannot even see where you're going, it is there to lead you back out to safety. Our instructor was also a search and rescue diver as well. He told of an incident that took place, incidentally, right here in our county in the Louisville area, of a husband and wife. They were a cave diving team and they were coming out of one of the caves. They had been rather deep into one of the cave systems in that area and as they came back out, they came to an intersection and when they came to this intersection, there was some discrepancy between them about which way they should go and uh, you have to kind of put yourself in this scenario, if you will, for just a moment. Uh, while you do have air to breathe, you have limited amount of air to breathe. And so while they're sitting there at this intersection, the woman, the wife is pointing one way and, and the husband is pointing another way and, and they don't have all day to debate this because they only have enough air or limited supply of air. Now, this is a very tragic and horrifying story, but, but the husband thought this is the way we should go and somehow she thought this is the way they should go. And, uh, and so at that moment, uh, at that moment, the husband and wife had to separate. They had to decide for themselves which way we're going to go. Now think about this, if you will. Amen, the husband had to leave his wife and the wife, her husband, and swim in the direction that they felt in their heart was the right way. And I'm not saying this because it's a man thing or a woman thing, but the husband happened to be right in this particular situation. What a tragic story while we were sitting at the table within arm's reach of the man who was not just telling this story, but he was also the rescue diver that had to go and retrieve her body. Amen, here was a man in a cave, in a situation where a line had been laid, a line had been drawn, and someone had to make a life and death decision. And so while the preaching of the word of God may excite us from time to time, it may encourage us and instruct us, it may, it may judge us at times, we need to understand that when somebody walks to the pulpit, not just me, but when anybody walks to the pulpit and opens the word of God and sets it down before them and begins to preach under the unction of the spirit and the power of God, we need to understand something. This is not the time to play with children. This, this is not the time to file our fingernails and this is not the time to hum till, till we get on to a more exciting part of the scripture because there's some lines now that are being laid there are some instructions that are going forth and, and ultimately ultimately there are some decisions as a matter of fact there could be decisions that have to be made right here in this service today because the word of God is not going to return void. I'm talking about the accomplished word of God. So we're not talking about pats on the back of the man or the person that made the delivery, but we're talking about the power of the word that goes forth, amen. So that's why we had better make sure that the line we're holding on to is the line that's gonna lead us to safety. All throughout the word of God, there have been always, there have always been distinctives. God said, 
You must do this and you must not do that. God said you must live this way and you must not live this way. You must worship this and you must not worship this. All throughout the word of God from beginning to end, there are yeses and there are nos. Amen. So we must be very, very aware that God did not just decide out of the clear, amen, that, that, that this is what we're going to do, but this is a forever settled word that's been laid in our heart. When you're reading the writings of Paul, you need very little commentary to wonder what Paul is trying to convey when he says that in the last days there would be men that would be wolves in sheep's clothing. And so he warned against that men that will not be laying true lines. They may be laying lines, but they're not true lines. He said if any one comes preaching any other gospel than that that has been preached by the apostles, he said let him be accursed Amen, now that's powerful, that, that's strong. You, you're talking about acidic. Amen, he said, let him be accursed. And it was Paul that actually went as far to say that even if an angel comes preaching another gospel. Now I want you to slow this thing down in your mind and take this frame by frame. The apostle Paul said, if a man comes and preaches anything else, let him be accursed. And then all of a sudden, as though Paul is a little out of control, he says, and even if an angel comes preaching something else, let him be accursed. Paul was not a man who was intoxicated on his own life and ministry and well-being. Paul was a man that really understood the value of the revealed word of God. Now, if you'll pardon me for just a moment, but, but several years ago, Brother Joe Osborne uh, preached a message about this particular passage, and I'm not gonna try to re-preach that at all, but I do wanna just summarize a few points that he made. The reason that Paul could make such a declaration was because of how he received this word. Amen. The, the reason Paul could say if a man comes preaching anything else, let him be a curse. And the reason he could say, and if an angel comes, let him be a curse. He said, uh, Brother Osborne went on to talk about how Paul received this word. Paul didn't get this passed down to him from succeeding generations. But Paul received what he knew by revelation on the road to Damascus. He made such a powerful experience with God that it left him blind, the scripture says. He made another word. Paul received this firsthand. Now I realize that I am preaching today to, to first, second, third, perhaps even fourth generation Pentecostals here this morning and I'm thankful for my heritage as a third generation. I'm thankful for that. But here's the most important thing that I could ever do in my life and that is not just receive the word of God as an inheritance, as though it were a, my grandfather's pocket knife or as though it were my grandmother's favorite pot to bake in, amen. But what I need to do is, is receive this by revelation myself. 
Amen. I need to receive the revelation of this myself. And I'm thankful today to tell you that I'm not just, I'm thankful for my heritage. And I appreciate that. But I'm not just a preacher today because my grandfather was a preacher. Amen. I'm not just pastoring this church because my grandfather pastored this church. No. Amen. I'm not preaching what he preached so I can just maintain the favor of my family, my blood family. No, no, no. Amen. But as a young man, the Lord began to deal with my heart. Amen. I feel the water baptism in his name. Amen, I'm thankful for that. I, I was raised that way. But I'm not doing this because I was raised that way. I don't baptize people in Jesus' name because I was baptized in Jesus' name. But I'm thankful for that experience of revelation. Amen. Paul didn't get this handed down from one mother to another, to, to a, a great grandmother, to a grandmother, to another, and, and then to him. I, he, he received this by way of revelation, and so this was not in Paul's mind, just some uh, s- something conceived in the mind of a man or a mortal, but this was something that had been given to him by God himself. Amen. So he didn't, he'd receive this by revelation. He received it firsthand. And so I believe that it really matters where you get your opinions from. <laughs> that really matters where you get your information. That, that underscores, amen, I'll underscore the importance of that today because the reason, uh, the reason it matters where you get your information is you need to make sure your information is correct. You need to make sure it's right. I remember, I remember many years ago, I was, I was, I was, drove a semi before we ever started into the ministry and I was having to take a, a load of material down to downtown Miami and one of the drivers that worked at the company I worked for had been already to this place of business and so that day before I was to leave the next day, I was trying to get some directions from him. This was before, believe it or not, GPSs and smartphones and we didn't even have dumb phones back then but... <laughs> and so I was trying to, to get some directions and this guy was a little bit airy, you need to understand and so he's giving me some directions and he says, now when you get right here at this certain point, you more or less turn right. I said, wait a minute. You don't wanna be downtown Miami in a tractor trailer and more or less do anything. You wanna do it or not do it. You, you, gotta, you gotta commit or not commit and so we don't need pulpits today that are saying, well, we need to more or less. We need to more or less. We need to more or less. We need, we need somebody that'll have the courage to get up and say, thus saith the word of God. Not, not thus saith Steve. Not thus saith Kenneth. Not thus saith Jerry. Not thus saith Chris. But thus saith the word of God. Hallelujah. The Bible said there'll be day in this day men and women that have itching ears and they just want to heap to themselves someone that'll tell them what they want to hear. Oh, if you got a prayer every day, let me tell you one you ought to have. God, give me a love for truth. Give me a love for your word. Give me a love for absolutes. Hallelujah. Give me a love for absolutes, Lord. I don't want to more or less make my way through life. I want that accomplished word. I want that word that'll go forth that'll fix what's wrong. I want that word that'll go forth that will accomplish what it sets out to do. That accomplished word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
the reason I underscore this importance today is because false information or false doctrine, you may hear that terminology, is a very dangerous thing. <clears throat> the word doctrine itself occurs in the King James Version of the Bible some 50, in some 50 verses. Doctrine just simply means this, the substance of something taught. The substance of something taught. The gospel writers repeatedly record that the crowds were astonished at the doctrine of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. That the crowds were astonished at the doctrine of Jesus. Now, they were not astonished because he taught. Are you with me now? They were not astonished because he taught it was the substance of what he taught them that astonished them. It was not the style of Jesus that was exceptional, but it was the substance of what he taught that was supernatural. Amen. To the blind, he said, receive your sight. To the lame, he said, be healed. To the dumb, hear. It was the substance of what he taught. He taught with an anointed authority. Matthew 7, 29 says that Jesus did not teach like the scribes. The Bible specifically says he taught as one having authority. Or in other words, uh, he was not just speaking as a well-groomed orator, but he spoke with authority or he spoke with anointing. And, and I, I don't want to sound sacrilegious here by any stretch of the imagination, but in all honesty, if you review the words of Jesus, and if you review the sermons of Jesus, they're quite simple. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> some very brilliant minds may even find them quite insulting because he used everyday illustrations. And just, he spoke in parables, and, he, and, and you know we would really risk insulting people's intelligence today and certainly he ran the risk of doing that in his day to the scribes and the Pharisees and the well-educated, the learned. When he, when he spoke, however, when Jesus spoke, even with these simple parables and these illustrations, when he spoke, here's the difference. Something happened. Something happened in the hearts of people. They were changed, and I know there were literal healings, but that's not all that just happened. There were people that were touched. Their lives were changed, and they were filled with his spirit. Uh, Bible doctrine is more than just a stale subject. It's really the very, the very substance of our faith. I will include this statement. Doctrine must always be distinguished from dogma because dogma is really the statements of men. Amen. That's man's statement of truth. As set forth in a creed or in a code or whatever it may be. But, but doctrine is the revealed word of God, the revelation of truth. And that is set forth in scripture. And so there is a, a huge difference there. And so that's why the Bible, the Bible doctrine has supernatural power. Now, I want to say this. Let me not just end it there. The, the, the Bible doctrine, biblical doctrine, has supernatural power. I believe that. But it only has supernatural power when it is believed. There's a lot of people that have read the Bible that have never experienced anything supernatural because they don't believe it. 
They don't believe it is for us. They don't believe it is for this day or whatever the case may be. I referred to this earlier, but the Apostle Paul prophesied that the time would come when they would not endure sound doctrine. No generation, I believe, before us so fulfills this scripture than the generation we have today. Amen, many churches have rejected doctrinal preaching as harsh or unloving or legalistic or some even obsolete, but in doing so, here's what inadvertently happens. You see, when you, when you let go of the absolutes of the word of God, amen, something begins to, when you cut the tether, you, you, get, you begin to drift. And something about drifting, there's something about drifting, you don't always know that you're drifting. Drifting is not like downhill bobsledding. Amen. Drifting, when the tether is cut, the wind doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be gale force winds. There doesn't have to be a hurricane looming on the horizon in order, in order for that ship or the boat to, to begin to move away from the dock. It can happen very, very subtle. And so we must be very, very careful that, that we don't let go of something that is really holding us. Amen. Amen. The Bible gives many different definitions, for example, of doctrine. And I want to just mention a few as we move along here. Matthew 16 and 6, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And uh, so if you've been around church very long, the church environment, you've heard the word leaven used many times. And always that leaven, uh, at least in the ministry of the Lord, is used with great caution. You need to be very careful. Take heed and beware of the leaven, the leaven of the Sadducees, of Pharisees and the Sadducees. The word, the word leaven in Scripture is the same word that we might use or better understand as the word yeast. Jesus said, beware of the leaven or beware of the yeast of the Pharisee and the Sadducee. And I know in this hour, a store-bought store bought everything. It's hard for us to kind of go back in time, but, but there was a day that you didn't buy bread in the store. <laughs> and uh, so this leaven, this yeast, amen, what is it that Jesus, again, this is a simple illustration, but a powerful point, he said, you, you need to be very careful of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees or the yeast of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And, and here's why. Because yeast works silently. Yeast works secretly, eventually influencing the whole lump of dough, whether it's false or whether it's true. And so if you've ever been uh, to Subway, for example, and I'm sure there's a few people here have been to Subway. <laughs> since that's on the limited list of places to eat in this local area. Sometimes you walk in there and there's just strips of dough laying in those little pans. They're just strips of dough. And so you don't find somebody standing at the door of whatever that machine is saying, come on now, come on now, come on now. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. No, they've got it all mixed together with just the right amount of leaven just the right amount of leaven and you just leave it alone and after a while it will silently work and it will silently do what it was designed to do. And so Jesus said, you better be careful of which leaven you get your hands on. You better be careful of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You better be very careful what influences your walk with God because those, those influences may be subtle at first but the real question we need to ask ourselves today, amen, is if I 
do this now, not how this feels to me today, but where will this road lead me? Where will this road lead me? We might involve ourselves in something today that doesn't really impact our life in such a way that we feel some difference. But I'm gonna tell you, if you get just a little bit off today, you're gonna be a long way off 30 days from now and five years from now and 10 years from now. And so Jesus said, be careful. It seems innocent. It seems honest. It seems pure. But you better be very careful of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The doctrine of the word of God is also likened to wind, like strong winds that can uproot massive trees. Amen. There can be strong winds, not subtle things, but there can be strong things that uproot people. Strong doctrines can not only affect one person or one family, but, but these influences can in, in, uh, affect rather an entire society. Pardon this analogy, but do you, you ever wonder sometimes where, you, you know, all of a sudden just something gets popular, just some fad, some trend, and then the next news, you know, it's just everywhere. Do you ever just stop and wonder, where did that come from? Who was the first person to ever do this? <laughs> While, while shopping in a men's shoe store a few weeks ago, <clears throat> there was a man standing there old enough to be my father probably and was selling uh, some shoes and was actually the sales representative that we were working with that day. And, and so when, when ultimately I decided to not buy any shoes, he said, well, you need to come by. He said, come by over here. We walked past this rack of socks and he said, you need to at least buy you some of these socks. And I'm, these socks hanging there were the most hideous thing I've ever seen in my life. I said, you must be kidding. I said, I'm not going to do that. And he said, but they're in. <laughs> but they're in. And then he lifted his pants leg. And bless his heart, he was wearing a pair. I couldn't believe, I, I couldn't believe that. I, 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 it was an image I'm still trying to get out of my mind, to be honest with you. But, but and so if if this is in, then I'm going to vote and be out. That's where I'm going to. I'm just going to vote to be out. I don't know. I don't know who did this. And somebody said, "Hey, we ought to do that too. We ought to be very careful." I'm not. I'm not preaching against these goofy looking socks. You do with it what you want to, but <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. But but it, it was just like he was just he was just kind of flabbergasted that I wouldn't just do it because it was in because it's in. We we need to be very careful what influences us. I I, I don't want to just follow blindly along because something somebody told me something is in. The question that ought to be at the forefront of our mind. And, and I'm not talking about socks now. I'm don't, don't, where does some of this stuff uh, originate? You know, for, in, for instance, I, and I know I'm giving a dated example here, but when the Beatles and Elvis and, and, and the like came along, among many things, they set many styles and trends and fads and fashions, not just for, not just for one segment of people, but they affected people really all around the world. And so, it, and so when winds begin to blow, it can not just affect one man or one woman, but it can affect societies. And I really that's an outdated illustration, but the principle of that remains the same. And so I would say to you today that the likes of Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus are working overtime to define the path 
that the youth of this age are going to take. And so, uh, and, and I don't mind saying this out loud. It's all over the paper and all over the internet. And so, uh, you know, Miley Cyrus has taken a, a real turn, a radical turn. And my wife and I have said, you know, here is a girl that has supposedly been uh, the portrayal of innocence and honesty. And, and, and now it seems like her life is headed for shipwreck. And here's what's sad is that there are many millions of young people that will just follow right along. Amen, we need to be very careful. Why? because the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I don't want the likes of Michael Jackson and Madonna, Miley Cyrus and, and, and Justin Bieber. I don't want that setting the tempo for the church today. That, I want the word of God and the spirit of God. I don't think that I don't think that we have to be outdated. I don't think that we have to be out of style or out of fashion. I don't think that we have to move in a cave in Montana and cut off all ties to the outside world. I'm not trying to be ridiculous, but what I am telling you today is that we better be very careful that, that we hold on to the word of God because the word will accomplish what it sets out to do. Amen, we need, by the same token, while negative things can affect the world negatively, I believe that true and honest and pure things can affect the world positively. And so I say, Lord, help us to understand that we will not just see the word, but we'll practice the word. Amen. I found this statistic pretty sobering, but according to George Barna Research, unless, George Barna said, who is not, uh, is a Christian uh, research group, uh, they, he said unless, they said unless a group is 20% different than the surrounding society, it cannot have any impact upon that society. <clears throat> now George Barn is not in the UPC. Amen. But he said, unless research shows that unless someone is 20% different, this group is 20% different than the society at large, you cannot have any impact on the society that you're in. And so it's no wonder then that Paul made this declaration in Ephesians 4.14 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to, to deceive. He said, he said, don't be so wishy-washy. The Bible says don't, don't have anything to do with men that are given to change. Don't buy in to somebody that's doing this today and doing that tomorrow and doing something else the next day and doing something else the next day. Amen, you need to beware of them that are given to change. So Paul said, you need to buy into this thing, draw down some roots, anchor yourself down into that. Amen, the word of God can be likened to rain. Deuteronomy 32 and two, my doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb and the showers upon the grass. Amen, the word of God, in the word of God, rain or water is symbolic of revival and refreshing and restoring, certainly following seasons of drought and famine, Bible doctrine, amen, the Bible teaching, if I may say, amen, that heaven sent teaching, God give us not something that's contrived in the heart and the mind of man, but when we come to church, oh Lord, when we step behind this pulpit, let there be an anointing that comes across us, God, let there be a purity of our heart, let our minds be pure, Lord, don't let us come behind this 
sacred desk to grind axes. Don't let us come behind this desk to settle scores. But oh God, let us come behind this sacred desk and declare your word. And when we declare it with honesty, when we declare it with purity, it will accomplish, oh Lord, what you set it out to accomplish. Amen, why don't we clap our hands to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna tell you something. You can't have real revival without the word of God. Amen. Two Wednesday nights ago, I shared with you a service from our latest general conference. And I believe that as a church, certainly from what I felt in that service tonight, that night and many comments received since then, I feel like that we were deeply impacted by the doctrinal teaching and preaching of Brother Raymond Woodward. I have one or two more of those services of that same conference that I would like to share in the near future as well. I wanna share this, not so that we have movie night or things of that nature, but I wanna share this because, because this matters. Amen, this matters. Amen, it really matters, it really matters. Uh, uh, what a person truly believes will determine the steps they take. A person can give away how they believe or what they believe just by their actions. They don't have to say anything. A person that has a deep-rooted feelings and a, and a, and a, and a honed work ethic and, and they really believe that they ought to provide for their family. Amen. Their actions are, their, their, their actions are gonna be determined by what happens in their life when the alarm clock goes off. When the alarm clock goes off, a person with a deep-rooted passion and feeling and a work ethic and feels like that I need to provide for my family, amen, they're gonna get up. They're not gonna curse the day. They're not gonna curse the sunrise. They're not gonna throw rocks at the rooster. They're not gonna curse the fact that they got a job. They're gonna rise and say, I've got another opportunity. A person that has deep-rooted feelings about their health and well-being of their marriage will, will, will determine how they conduct themselves in the absence of their companions. Amen, it, 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 they don't have to be standing right there but I have deep-rooted feelings and, 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 and I have a, a real conviction about my marriage and my family, amen, then my conduct. I don't have to say anything. It's just how I conduct myself throughout the day. A person that has deep-rooted feelings about morals and ethics will not have to have someone police their every movement. <laughs> amen. It makes a difference. What we believe has a direct impact on us as human beings. It determines our steps. It determines our character, who we are. The power of the gospel can transform a life. But it's not activated until a person obeys that doctrine that was once delivered to the saints. You can see it. But until you act on it, there hasn't been an antibiotic in the world that'll heal you in the medicine cabinet. You gotta take it, and you gotta take it as prescribed. Amen, you've gotta believe it. You've got to ingest it. It's got to become a part of you. Romans six seventeen. but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you, being then made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. And so what we believe really determines our behavior and uh, what we do. I know I'm kind of being a little redundant here, but Titus records this. And this is an interesting word, so let's watch this. He said not, in Titus 2.10, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. 
not purloining, he says. The word purloining means to pilfer or to steal away little by little in secret. Don't, don't rob anything away. But by showing, but showing all good fidelity or good faith, he said that they may adorn the doctrine of God. He meant don't pilfer things away. Don't pilfer that away. If you just knew what something cost, you may not be so careless with that. If you, if you just knew the value of something. And I, I've, I've shared this before, I think, and I don't want to embarrass my son here, but when he lived at home, when he was single, lived at home, and he, he would cook, cook sometimes around the house, if not, even, if not just for us, just for himself. But, um, and I, I'm telling you, I would have to be out of the kitchen and certainly out of the house almost, but certainly out of the kitchen when he, when he went to spray a pan with Pam, Pam spray. So you're not trying to deep fry this, son. And just, just shh. I, I just had to leave the room. That's, and I'd say, man, that's, that stuff's expensive. I mean, you, you, and you don't need that much. Am I right? I mean, even back then, it was over $5 a can. It, it just, and he's just bathing in it. And so just before they got married, they'd already purchased their home, and he was living next door. And, and so one night, he comes over to the house. This was, I mean, a moment. It was just of everything I've been through to be a father up to this time, it was made worth it right now. And this, I had no idea that I was fixing to get paid back in one failed swoop for everything. He comes over, his eyes are big as saucers. He's been grocery shopping with his own checkbook. <laughs> He'd been grocery shopping before, but let me be specific. And now it's his own debit card. And I overhear him talking to his mother. He said, do you know how much a can of Pam sprays? <laughs> well, he has my undivided attention now. <laughs> and he said, I went to cook tonight. And he said, I just squirted some in the air and ran the pan. <laughs> ran the pan through it. I <clears throat> That's the last thing I heard. I was, I come to speaking in tongues in the demon. <laughs> and been paid back. If you knew what something cost, if you just knew what somebody went through to get this gospel here, I know that when most of us got here today, the lights were on. The air was turned on late yesterday afternoon to make sure everything was just right. By the time many of you got here, the songs were all in place. Everything was here. But let me tell you something. It hadn't always been this way. If you just knew what somebody has gone through to bring this gospel, just to pull it closer and closer and closer and closer. 
Amen. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Somebody has drugged this truth inch by inch, year by year, day by day. They've lived it. They've stood against the, the common opinion of many and they just kept pressing on. Amen. It will determine our destiny. I'm not trying to over, over preach the point here this morning, but as our musicians come, but our eternity really rests in the hands of what we believe, what we believe. And so far from being non-issues, obedience to Bible teaching is a central issue. So Paul, recognizing the end of his journey on this earth, Paul was always a very diligent teacher and master. But you sense in the life and the ministry of Paul of an amping up, of revving up, if you, if, if, if you please, as Paul begins to realize that his earthly time and ministry is coming to an end. And so into the heart of his protege in the gospel, Timothy, he begins to pour himself into Timothy. And so he says to Timothy in 4 and 16, 1 Timothy 4, 16, now, please don't dismiss on me now. He said, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine or the teaching. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so, Paul is, is if, if you, I don't want to try to be over dramatic here, but if Paul just has kind of got Timothy pulled up close to him and he says, you've got to take heed to yourself. You gotta get this. You gotta make sure. You gotta make sure you have this, Timothy, because I'm not always gonna be here. So get this, get this, get this. And so he's, he's trying with all of every fiber that he has to make sure that they understand this. Amen, that, they, that Timothy gets this so that he can save not only his house, but he says those that hear you. And let me, let me skip a few things here and and just hurry. Paul also said to Timothy in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.10, he said to Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine and manner of life. Thou hast known my doctrine and manner of life. Now, Paul could say this to Timothy because he said, you have known my doctrine and my manner of life. He could say this because he knew that his lifestyle was consistent with what he preached. So Paul said to Timothy, he said, you can believe me for not only what I say, but what you see me live out every day. That's not arrogance, not by any stretch of the imagination. He said that with a true calm assurance. Amen. Because here is where I'm going with that. That truth that is not lived out is powerless. If you don't live it out, if you don't apply it, then it's powerless. And if it's unlived, then it will be the greatest waste this world has ever known. Amen. And so to, to kind of uh, bring that last statement into focus, I will say this, that there are many people who know what the Bible teaches about salvation, for example. But they're not living for God. They know, 
but they're not applying. They know, but they're not living it out. I would submit to you today, I'm saying this in confidence because I know a few of these people. And so I'm sure if I know a few, there are far more than that. I know some people that would defend the gospel with all their heart and life. I mean, they may be drunk as 13 cats. When somebody say something about, man, they just, they may need somebody to hold them up, but they're ready to fight because they believe it that strongly. But truth not lived is powerless. And so I, I can't just look at it. I gotta buy into it. I've got to invest into it. And I, I've, I've preached longer than I intended to preach this morning, but I, uh, the word of God, there's nothing more valuable than the word of God. You know, I've, I've had the, the privilege to preach in a lot of different venues, and I say that humbly, very humbly. But I have been on the stage, the platform, when the person introducing me to speak said something like this and now for the most important part of the service and I have been in atmospheres where I really felt like that was shared that people really felt that way he wasn't just saying that but the people that he said it to really felt that way and I I felt as I literally walked to the platform to the pulpit I felt people connecting because they felt like this really is the most important thing that we're gonna do here today. But sadly, I report to you that there have been times when I've been introduced such, in such a fashion that I didn't feel that was how everybody else felt. I've, I've preached when all the singers and musicians, when they were through doing their deal, I've preached and watched them through the glass doors, sit in the foyer and laugh and talk, carry on until it was time for them to come back and do their thing again. Amen. And this is an important part of what we do, but I'm thankful that we have people that don't just love to sing, they love the preaching of the word of God. And they, love the, they love the word of God. Not looking for a reason to stay out in their Sunday school room after they send their students in. They're as anxious to get in here because they love the word of God. But see, if you don't love it, you'll find some way to avoid it. If you don't love it, even if you're sitting here, you'll check out and you'll be a million miles away. But I'm gonna tell you, when you love the word of God, you're gonna lean in. And it won't matter how many crying babies. It won't matter how many trips in and out somebody else makes. It won't matter what all's said or what all's done. You're gonna be so leaning in to the word of God, to the word of God. I didn't come to see what you're wearing today. I didn't come to see what you're driving. I didn't come to see what kind of Bible you're holding. I came to hear from God today. Amen, let's stand. Praise the Lord. What a sweet spirit. What a sweet spirit in this place. 
God, give us a love for preaching. Give us a love for truth. In the name of Jesus, I love you today, God. I thank you for your word. Men gave their lives. God, men gave everything they had. They gave all they had, God. They gave all so that they could get this gospel, Lord, to you. To, uh, your gospel to the lives and the hearts of others. Give myself oh, away. Lord, they gave of so themselves so freely and so selflessly, me. God. They I gave give myself away. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, oh I, I give, give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. myself away so you can use me I give myself away oh I give myself away so you can use me I feel impressed of the Lord to do this I'm, I'm not trying to earn my dinner today Yesterday I shared this in the memorial service for Brother Colby. And if you'll give me just a few minutes, I want to share this with you. I feel impressed of the Lord to do this or I wouldn't do it. Brother Jerry Jones, who has served as our General, Super, General Secretary for United Pentecostal Church for many years and works at headquarters in St. Louis. Several years ago I heard Brother Jones preach a message and, and, and I want to just share with you some closing remarks. He talked about a man by the name of Fred McManus. Fred McManus preached in southwest Louisiana in the early 1920s. He came through a little community uh, at that time that was known as Hog Pond. They later changed the name to Kirkland, but for many, many years, the community was named Hog Pond. Brother McManus went out in the woods and made a little clearing and began to preach, and it was there in that humble setting that people began to get saved. One 17-year-old bride had attended the service one night where he was preaching about receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And although she went to the altar that night, she did not receive the Holy Ghost, but the next day while she was home shelling peas, she began to think about the message that had been preached the night before by Brother McManus. And as she began to reflect on those words, she began to pray, and as she prayed, God filled her with the Holy Ghost right there in her home. The young teenage girl, that young teenage girl was destined to be Brother Jerry Jones' grandmother. Brother McManus got a little congregation together, primarily made up of several of Brother Jones' family members. But back then, even as in the earlier days of along the time this church was established, and prior to that, certainly now we're talking about the 20s and 30s, 
preachers really didn't stay. They would just come and hold a meeting and maybe stay for a little while and then move on. Some of them were even referred to as circuit preachers. And for a season of time, this little humble congregation didn't have a pastor. And it was there that Brother Jones' grandfather, a man by the name of Willis Hill, a man who felt his call to the ministry to preach, but he did not feel that he was called to pastor. He would go to the church every service day, whether it's Sunday or whatever midweek service. And if it was a night service, he would just light the lantern and wait to see if anybody would come. And if no one showed up, he would sing and testify and maybe even try to preach a little. Sunday night after Sunday night, he would light the lamp and sing and preach to his few family members and then he would preach to the remaining empty split board pews. After, after this, a man by the name of Roy Dykes came and pastored this little congregation for a while, but then after him came a man who would ultimately stay there and he was Brother Jones' pastor, a man by the name of Brother A.E. Carney. These men are all gone. These men that I've mentioned to you today never one time preached a camp meeting. They never preached a conference. Their name was never on a marquee. Brother Jones and his message that night was so humble when he talked about this. The fact that he had preached himself to crowds much larger than any of these men combined. Yet, despite their names never being in the limelight, they continued. Maybe they never cast a shadow as large as other ministries, but they, but they pressed on. And there are those who are far more addicted to the applause of men who may look back on the lives and the ministries of these men that I mentioned and talk about their wasted years. They may even wonder what good could have come out of all those years spent pastoring just a few people in Hog Pond, Louisiana. Brother Jones said recently he took an assessment of that church and this is what he found. There were 20 preachers that came out of that church. <laughs> Two of those men served on the general board of the United Pentecostal Church. Others from that church served as district board members throughout the fellowship. Some of, those, some of the men who pastor some of the largest churches of our fellowship today either came out of that church or their preacher daddy came out of that church. So you can believe it like you want to. But when we get to heaven, that's where the final assessment will be made. Amen. Men that would stand in just a clearing and just declare, thus saith the word of God. Brother Willis, <laughs> Brother Rayleigh, who, who preached to an empty building, was just declaring, thus saith the word of God. And God said, my word will not return void. <sighs> my God. Brother Willis, you didn't know it, sir, but you were throwing that seed well into the future. Well. Amen. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel his presence here today. I feel his presence here today. Jesus, use us. Jesus, use us today. Take our hands. Take our hands and use us. Take our hands and use us. Brother Jones' final assessment of all of this, he said, you know, when we get to heaven, we're certainly gonna recognize men and women there. (laughs) I'm sure all of us have got at least a short list of people that we really wanna meet. We really wanna talk to them. But you know what? Heaven's also gonna be made up of people that we don't know anything about. We've never heard their names. We, We don't know them. Among them are gonna be three or four young men We don't know their names. We don't really know anything about them at all. We only know of one act that they accomplished in their entire life, just one thing. I'm not suggesting that's all they did, but we only know of one thing, and that is when the Jews desired to put Saul of Tarsus to death because of his revelation. They waited and they watched the gate of the city, Brother Rayleigh, because they said, we're gonna kill him. But somebody came and said, you know what? We need some help. We need to get Paul out of this situation. And so those young men put Paul in a basket and lowered him down by the wall. And it set loose, not a man, but it set loose a ministry. (laughs) Hallelujah. And you write it. You write it how you want to write it. You feel the check out your own way, but I want to tell you that for every person that's ever been affected by the ministry and the writings of the Apostle Paul, those young men are going to get some credit as well because had it not been for their willingness, amen, to say we got to set this man free. And when they set him free, they set him free to preach revivals. They set him free ultimately to be imprisoned, but there he wouldn't stop. You could stop maybe the ministry physically of Paul, but you couldn't stop that shaking hand from writing, and I'm gonna write some letters, and I'm gonna get them out, and we're feasting on all that today. My God in heaven, I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen, why don't we plug into this today? I give myself to this. I wanna give myself to this. I wanna invest myself into this. Amen, I feel God calling somebody today. I feel a yearning in the spirit of God. I feel a pull, a pull of heaven. Hallelujah, a pull of heaven is in our midst here today. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.